Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's the Garnet Trust Hour on your home of the game, Cops. 107.5, the game. And welcome into the Garnet Trust Hour. Tyler Head, Chris Clark, along with you on this beautiful Tuesday morning here in. Columbia, plenty to get to over the course of this next hour. Going to be joined in just a couple of minutes by On Three's Pete Nakos to give us the latest on what's going on in the world of uh, world of NIL. And uh, Chris, when you told me he was going to be joining us, I went to his uh, archives page on on uh, On Three, and you know, there's obviously a lot going on in the world of NIL, but like this guy is covering everything down to, like, individual deals with athletes yeah. across the entire country. Like, you want to talk about a man that stays busy all the time. Pete is phenomenal, and uh, he was originally going to join us right at the open of the show, Tyler, but has pushed it back, which is totally fine, sure. until 10.05 because he's trying to get a piece of news out. So he's all over it. He's done a fantastic job. On3 has done a really good job just in general of, Covering NIL, and, and this is a subject, Tyler, that, you know, we've talked about a good bit on the show. Um, a lot of times on this hour, we're just talking directly to athletes and kind of getting a window into what they do on a daily basis, how they think, and we ask them a little bit just, you know, about thoughts on NIL. But I think it's cool to kind of dive into it because, look, I know we've said this a lot, but whether or not you like NIL or want it to be a part of college sports – to think it's not is to is to bury your head in the sand. Right. You know, it it is it is a completely uh, different thing. It, it it'd be kind of like in a different way, but it'd be similar now to where, you know, if you turned on ESPN and it's free agency season, it was the draft, and nobody talked about contracts. Right. You know, or, or right. something like that. Like it is it is just part of it, and um, there's been a there's been a lot of changes. There will continue to be changes, but uh, Pete does a really good job of, you know, just kind of having his finger on the pulse of all this. Yeah, and obviously, you know, we're still very young in the process, just over two or not even quite two and a half years into it now as it went live in the summer of 2021. But yeah, it's definitely something you can't just plug your ears and pretend like it doesn't exist, especially if you want your program to be successful. Because again, as you and I talked about last week, and we did stir up quite a few people with yeah, some of the things yeah. that, that were said that, you know, if you're not competing with these other schools, you're going to continue to fall farther and farther behind. And we obviously know that the Georgias, the Ohio States, the Southern Cows, all them are, you know, top of the list with these NILs and, and taking advantage of that. Um, and, and we obviously see the talent that they're getting on a year and year out basis. And, you know, again, if, if you and, and the unfortunate part for smaller schools or schools that you know haven't had the success and pedigree some of those other schools have had over the couple of years, they're having to work harder just to try and keep up not to be on the same level just to try and keep pace a couple steps behind so they don't fall fall further and further behind yeah with nio you can um you can turn it into an advantage 
if you do it the right way. Um, there's been a lot of talk about parity, and, and there probably is more. You know, we have seen some of, like Texas, right? I won't say if they're back or not. We'll see at the end of the year. But they are better than they have been. There's little doubt about that. And there's a lot that goes into that. But one of them is they've been recruiting extremely well. Now, they typically do, but they've kind of taken it to the next level. And and part of that is because of what they've done in NIL. So you have been able to see NIL sustain some blue bloods, resurrect some blue bloods. I, I said yesterday talking to somebody it's a lot easier to resurrect a blue blood than to birth one. Right. You know, I mean, if you take Texas, right, or remember out before Nick Saban got to Alabama, they were down, you know. Yeah. Like, it is – I'm not well, saying it's easy. It's easier to resurrect those than to, say, take South Carolina well, to a national title. Because that foundation of support is always there. It's always there. And, yeah, sure, you have bandwagon fans, people that come along. But, you know, when Alabama's really, really good, those people that were donating back in the 90s and 80s when they were at, you know, I don't say the height of their dominance, but doing really well back then are like, okay, we'll get back yeah. into it now. Yeah. And now the the other side of that is you do have an opportunity if you are another program – that is not a blue blood to kind of make this something unique to kind of make a play through NIL. And we've seen some schools do that. Like Missouri is a really good example. And Missouri didn't just start participating in NIL this season, right? They went, what they win five games during the COVID year. I think they were like a 500 team, five and five. Then they went six and seven. They went six and seven. But what they did was they started working on, you know, a unique state law that passed not too long ago. And while shocker, all of a sudden, you know, they're they're keeping Luther Burden, who's an in-state guy. They've got a five-star, you know, number one defensive lineman in the country who's from the state of Missouri. They're probably going to get Ryan Wingo, who's another five-star from the state of Missouri. Right, so they did that, and they've done a really good job with NIL. So... What I do know is that if you do not participate in it, like a lot of people said, well, well, if South Carolina becomes really good at NIL, will they win? I said, I, I don't know. But what I do know is if you don't, you are assuring yourself of losing. There's no doubt about that. It, it is, you know, there are a lot of different things in the recruiting process, recruiting drives, uh, everything about, you know, we can talk about coaching, evaluation, all those things are important. If you don't have talent, you won't win championships. Well, let's get a perspective from the NIL expert as uh, Pete Nakos is now joining us on the Love Chevrolet phone lines. Pete, thanks so much for taking a little bit of your time today. And uh, I uh, I mentioned this to Chris just a moment ago before we gave you a call, just kind of skimming through your archives there on on3.com covering NIL. You are a very, very busy man because there's always something happening in this world around <laughs> college sports, it seems like. There sure is, man. There's no breaks. Um, but that's, hey, we love that. We love that. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy time right now in college sports, but it's really fun to cover. Pete, Chris Clark here. Thanks again for joining us, uh, especially on short notice and making time. I know, like Tyler said, you got a lot going on, but let's start here. Let, let's start. I have so much territory to cover. And by the way, for the listeners, I think we're going to hold over Pete. It's gracious to hold over for two segments with us because we have so much to get to. But let's start with D.C. last week, right? So uh, we, we talked with Jeremy Smith from Garnet Trust. Uh, after he got back from D.C. I know he's been up there a time or two. What's, tell people kind of the latest on the national perspective on NIL. Are, 
are things any closer to a congressional bill? Is are you know what's kind of the uh, status between collectives and Congress and the NCAA? Give us an overview of that. Yeah. Um, well, for for starters, right. So last Tuesday, the Senate Judiciary Committee held a hearing on NIL and college sports. And um, while I, I mean, it, it, you think of some of the the biggest legislators on Capitol Hill, right? Lindsey Graham, uh, Senator Blumenthal, um, Cory Booker. I mean, just some really big names that come to mind. Uh, it was also the tenth hearing that's that's been focused on NIL since 2020. So put that in perspective um while there might be all these hearings it's, it's hard to actually figure out if there's any movement um talked to a lot of folks after that and, and i mean i think the consensus consensus remains the same, the same that it's a, a, a huge uphill climb to actually get legislation done and um obviously senator lindsey grant from south carolina he opened the hearing up by basically admitting like there's a lot going on across the world right now and obviously want the college sports model to, to thrive, but it is far from being um, the most important thing on, on our agenda right now. And I think that's really where, where things remain. We're coming up on an election year next year in 2024, obviously. How much is this going to maybe be something that comes up a lot on the campaign trail, you think? Uh, at minimum. Uh, I, I, I've talked to a lot of people, right, and obviously the presidential election, but obviously there's going to be congressional seats up. And um, just talking to some lobbyists that I've gotten to know in, in D.C., I think a lot of people find it hard to believe that a, uh, a, a elected official is going to come home and try to uh, run a campaign off NIL um, in, in college sports. Um yeah, I, it's not a lot of momentum behind that and securing votes because of it. All right, so given that, Pete, it, it seems like from what you're saying, not close to a congressional bill, but what is the next step? So a lot of college administrators I've heard think that we're, we're moving, maybe we're inching there towards some type of revenue-sharing model. Do you think that happens? What's the time frame? And then does that change things, all right? Like, like we're a very, right now, like a collective-driven model, a lot of brands, a lot of businesses. Do we kind of keep that model alongside revenue sharing? Do things totally shift? Where do you see all this going and, and what time frame? Yeah, so revenue sharing is definitely coming. Um, the time frame seems to change by every person you talk to, right? Um, I uh, And you mentioned the collective, right? There's the collective association. Uh and, and, and those folks put out a revenue-sharing model this summer. Um, and, and college football playoff expansion starts next summer. So, yes, there's a lot of moving factors right now. Um, but then, as we saw last week in D.C., the NCAA has no want to even approach revenue-sharing. Um, so I'd say, like, we're still, like, 24 months out before we actually see maybe any movement. Um, but as you guys know, TV contracts continue to balloon, and it's going to be really hard. Um, to tell athletes that, that they don't deserve those dollars when they're the ones why they continue to rise. And and a big hang-up with that is the NCAA not wanting student-athletes to be deemed employees by the University of the Athletic Association, however you end up phrasing that. I mean, is that a, a key point to making this possible for a revenue-sharing model, or is there a different way to make that happen? Yeah, I don't that's – a good, that's a good question. Um the NCAA definitely doesn't want athletes to be employees. Um, and if the courts decide to, to rule 
athletes as employees, and I think that will force some sort of revenue sharing model. All right, so let's talk collective. So you mentioned the collective association. There's up to, what, over 20 schools now. And Garnet Trust is is a part of that association, from my understanding. So um, yep. you follow a lot of the collectives. You, you hear the good. You hear the bad. Give us your assessment of how Garnet Trust is run since it's local here to Columbia and, and just some of the things they've done. Give us your impressions of what they're doing in this space. I... Um I, I talk to Jeremy Smith quite often. I think they're doing a lot, man. I think they're doing everything they can. Um, I, I've i been really impressed. I've talked to Jeremy quite a bit. I think that the Garnet Trust has done a, a great job of educating the university on the need of NIL, um, and, the, and, and South Carolina has quickly caught up. Um, but, I mean, the, the same thing as ever, right? Uh, trying to raise dollars remains the key. Um, trying to combat donor fatigue. Um and we're entering a really crucial, right, 10-week span, uh, the final weeks of the season, the portal opens, um, just making sure that, that things are running smoothly. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the one other thing I'll compliment Jeremy on, too, is he's been really open to some, like, new ideas. Like, I know there's some new partnerships being announced this week, and um, I think that he's doing everything he can, and his board is doing everything they can to, find new streams of revenue so it's not always on the donor and the fan to step up. Again, we're talking to Pete Nakos from On3 who covers everything in the world of NIL when it comes to college sports. We'll have more with him coming up. It is the Garnet Trust Hour here on a Tuesday on The Game. Welcome back in. It is the Garnet Trust Hour. Tyler Head and Chris Clark along with you in the Hernan Chevrolet Studios continuing our conversation with Pete Nakos from On3, who covers all things NIL in the world of college sports. And uh, Pete, uh, here lately, we've gotten a lot of news about NIL expanding outside of college sports. I was reading just the other day, Michigan is the latest state that's proposing a bill to its uh, its state house in reference to potentially allowing uh, high school athletes to benefit from NIL. That would bring the number of states that have something of that form up to 32. Uh, Georgia is one of the states that's been talking about that recently. We obviously know Missouri has their deal with, uh, you know, uh, guys that have committed to in-state institutions. Like, uh, how much further do you see this kind of thing going? Is it eventually going to find a presence in all 50 states? I think NIL at the high school level will definitely have a presence in all 50 states because – um, I mean, you look at Georgia, right? I think a, a really big reason, I, so sources even told me this, that the 2026 quarterback, Julian Lewis, right? He has like 200,000 social media followers. He's been heralded as the, the generational talent. Um, Georgia almost lost him if they weren't going to change their NIL policy because he is true brand value as a sophomore in high school. That's the reality we're in right now. Um, so, yeah, I think all 50 states are going to have to get there. Um, it's funny. I don't know if you guys saw this, but, like, Georgia announced their, their NIL change, and then Florida within hours was like, <laughs> yep, we're crafting a policy. Um, so, yeah, I think we're all going to get there. Um, now, how quickly we get there, I'm not sure. Um, the Michigans and Ohio's aren't there yet. Um, and and uh, for all we know, that could maybe take a little bit longer. And do you see this playing out like, like a lot of other things in college sports do where it's kind of an arms race. We've seen that with facilities and so many things over the past 10 to 20 years where now every state's just going to be trying to one-up the other one's NIL bills to try and make it better for the athletes within their own state. 
Yeah. Um, I think that, right, you look at like Texas and Oklahoma and Missouri, as you guys already mentioned, they, they have updated their NIL laws um, specifically for college, so it makes it really tough uh, for the NCAA to like come down and, and penalize them. Um, so, yeah, I, we've heard a lot of college administrators saying it's like a, a race to the bottom and uh, that, that they need congressional help um, because of the state laws and there's some truth to that, uh, but I think the reality is the NCAA actually has to step in and try to enforce their own NIL policy before they just run to Congress for help, and we've yet to really see that. Yeah, Pete, I actually have been bringing up Missouri a lot as an example. It's a painful one here locally for South Carolina fans because they just lost to Missouri. It's the fifth straight time in this series. And Missouri is having a lot of, you know, on-field and recruiting success despite winning, you know, five games in 2020, six games in a row for, you know, the 21 and 22 seasons. But, yeah, they, they've been pretty forward-thinking with NIL. Seems like they've done a pretty good job with it in attracting local talent, keeping local talent home. So I, I want to pose this question to you. So do you think that if, you know, for schools that, do participate in NIL and do a really good job with it. You know, they haven't, do they have an opportunity to make a move and kind of create some parity in this landscape? Because I've been making the argument that you do. And then if you don't participate in NIL, if you kind of bury your head in the sand, so to speak, you're, you're almost Mm -hmm. assured of losing in this new era. Yeah. I think that obviously we're talking about power five football and basketball and, and, and that's the truth, right? You can't compete in the SEC right now without having a strong NIL program, unless you're like an Alabama or Georgia, and Nick Saban is recruiting top athletes, and, and Kirby Smart can say, hey, we just won back-to-back national titles. I mean, that's the reality we're living in right now um, until there's some sort of congressional reform, which I don't think is coming at all. Um, maybe that will change. Um, the one thing to all say, guys, is, and Chris, you've seen this, but like uh, NIL started out in July 2021. The market has significantly matured in that time period, and it's going to continue to mature. Um, and because of that, I mean, a lot of these collectives don't want to get involved in pay-to-play as much anymore. Um, so, so how that has an impact on the market, I think, remains to be seen. We uh, our, our studios are literally right across the street from the South Carolina State House here in Columbia. Uh, South Carolina does fall into that latter half of states that do not have anything in regards to NIL in reference to high school athletes in the state being able to benefit. Uh, what are the dangers for this state if they continue to wait to make some kind of move like this while the all these other states are, are moving in that direction? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think that you just you, right. You're at the risk of just being really behind the eight ball, um, and and the last thing any any program at any level wants to be at is, is playing the catch up game, and especially at the elite level that South Carolina is at. Um, so yeah, any any advantage you can get off the field legally, right through a state law, for example. Um, I mean, yeah, it makes all the difference. Pete, so you mentioned earlier that you don't feel that you can compete without a strong NIL program. Can you can you unpack that a little bit as to the why? So you talk to a lot of administrators, you know, coaches, um, brands, collectives, collective operators. 
Why is it so important in recruiting right now? Yeah. Well, we can get into the nitty gritty real quick. Um, yeah. When I strong NIL program, I am referencing uh, a college football team needs to be backed by a strong NIL collective that offers um, contracts to the entire team. Um, and it is paying a pretty competitive rate compared to the rest of the college football. Um, I'm talking about a collective that can tap into a donor base whenever necessary to compete at a high level. And I'm referring to a collective that um, doesn't lose sleep at night about an athlete leaving their school for the transfer portal because the athlete's not making enough money. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's kind of what comes to mind when I talk about a strong NIL program. High school recruiting, portal recruiting, those are kind of segmented now, right? Like it, you've got a couple different buckets now kind of change the game, even with high school recruiting with some guys that are on the line. But um, I've seen Shannon Terry at On3 posit that, you know, yes, portal recruit or uh, NIL, very important for high school recruiting, obviously, to, to be able to attract talent. But for retention in the portal, he argues even more so. So we've got the transfer portal window coming up, what, in a couple months, roughly. Um, yep. Talk about that a little bit just as far – do you agree with that? And, and how much more important is NIL when you're going and looking out, trying to go find guys in the portal to plug your, your holes in your roster? Yeah. Um, I definitely think that, that NIL and the transfer portal uh, was a huge theme last year. And it's going to continue to remain a, a really popular theme. I think what last year taught us though is I think some athletes are going to learn that running to the transfer portal is not going to equal uh the quote-unquote cash bag. Um, I, 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 we're just not in that marketplace anymore. It may have been two years ago, but it wasn't last year, and I don't think it's going to be this year. Um, all that said, though, uh, uh, we're seeing it in the Pac-12, right? I mean, so many of the Pac-12 quarterbacks are, are portal kids, and uh, for for quarterbacks and, I mean, any position that, that doesn't play right now um, – and, and really wants a chance to prove themselves. I don't think a lot of athletes right now have the patience to stay put. Um, but yeah, I think if like for an athlete to, to go to your school, to pick your school and they're in the portal, I think, I don't know if NIL comes up every time, but I'd say a large percent of the time when the athletes on campus, they're going to want to have the coach walk them through what the NIL program looks at school X or school Y. Um, and is it going to make all the difference right now? Uh, I don't. I don't know about that, but I think that at least having an attractive program is a huge plus. It's like having a good facility right now, um, but it's probably a couple of spots ahead of the facility. Uh, again, talking to Pete Nakos from On Three, who covers all things NIL. Last one for you here, Pete. Got right at two minutes to go. Uh, Chris and I had a conversation last week on this show that did stir up a lot of people uh, in reference to maybe where South Carolina falls compared to other other SEC teams in terms of the money that they generate through NIL and their collectives. Uh, you know, from your perspective, out of the 14 teams of the SEC, where do you feel like South Carolina falls right now? Oh, man. You're going to put me in the spot. I don't want to compare them to other schools. I don't think that's that's my business. I would say, though, that they're in the, in the middle uh, and could easily get in the top half. If Just from my thoughts to Jeremy, I mean, 
he he's obviously loves where South Carolina is at right now, but by no means is he like satisfied or he's going to sit there at the very top. Um, I think that the one thing I'll mention that you guys will find interesting too is like uh, Texas and Oklahoma both are very strong NIL collectives. Um, so how that kind of shifts the SEC when they join, um, I don't know if we'll know the answer right away, but it'll be interesting to watch that play out over the course of the next year too. All right, Pete, thanks so much for taking a few minutes of your time and uh, joining us and uh, giving us insight into what's going on in the world of NIL. You bet. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Talk soon. Absolutely. And again, that was Pete Nakos from On3 covering all things NIL in the world of uh, of college sports. We'll come back and react to a little bit of what Pete had to say there. As the Garnet Trust Hour rolls on, he's Chris Clark. I'm Tyler Head here on The Game. We're talking about sponsored by Love Chevrolet on your home of the Gamecocks in Columbia, 107.5 The Game. Also heard on 100.3 The Game in Myrtle Beach and 100.5 The Game in Florence. Welcome back in Garnet Trust Hour, Tyler and Chris with you on this Tuesday. Thank you once again to Pete Nakos from On3 for giving us a couple segments there Give us the latest on what's happening up in Washington, what's happening with these individual states. There's so much going on in the world of NIL. It's very hard to keep up with sometimes. If you, uh, if you, if you shy away from the, the news for a couple days, feel like you're a month behind with everything that's constantly changing with that. But great insight there from Pete, and uh, we'll have that podcast up for you shortly on the 107.5 The Game podcasting page. But, but he gave us really good insight. Now, I think the last thing that he talked about there where I kind of asked him where South Carolina stacks up, because, again, people – are worried when they look at the Georgias, the Alabamas, you know, the Texas and Oklahomas coming in that like, man, you know, South Carolina's got to be a mile away from these programs because we don't know the exact number figures. We just have to guess on a lot of these things. But from what Pete said, South Carolina is in the middle right now, but they have the opportunity to maybe start getting into that upper echelon. But again, you're going to need people to start continuing to give and continue to get more involved with programs like the Garnet Trust. It's, it's a very small group. I mean, it might literally be two people that believe this, but I've heard from them. And some people, when you say something like that, mm-hmm. uh, South Carolina is near the bottom or South Carolina is bringing up kind of the middle. This, where's the proof? I, I want, you know, financial statements and documents. And those aren't always available. But when you're a guy like Pete who literally is talking to everybody from – college coaches to administrators to people literally running collectives. Yeah. Um, there's a collective association that he referenced now that Garnet Trust is a part of. Those people, obviously, they're competing against each other, but they're kind of working towards some of the same goals. Sure. Um, some information is shared, right? And sometimes that's more vague things. Uh, sometimes it's more specifics of, hey, that you know, hey, at this particular collective, this is our budget. This is what we paid out last year. These are our goals. And so there are ways to find out kind of where you stand without there being, uh, you know, looking at somebody's tax return, you know, so to speak, and, right. and having it all laid out on paper. But that the reason that I, I wanted to ask Pete about the competition part of NIL from a recruiting standpoint is, is again, it does not guarantee that you're going to win. It's just like building facilities. I'm glad he made that reference. You know, these are things that you need if you're trying to compete in college athletics. There's a price to pay. Like, it's, we use the pay-for-play NIL term. Like, you pay to play in college athletics. If you don't have tradition, 
you don't have good facilities, if you don't have good education, if you don't have good development, don't have a good coaching staff, fan base, et cetera, et cetera, it's going to be hard to recruit. And then as a result, it's going to be hard to win. NIL has now been added to this. And you heard Pete say facilities, yeah, it's still on the list, but NIL is a couple notches higher, and it depends for each kid. Sure. But it is a part of this equation now. Well, and I feel like with facilities, when you look at programs around the country, how much more can you do with those? I mean, you got slides and you got Waterfalls. HDTVs <laughs> and every locker and all that kind of stuff. Like, there comes to a point where that reaches its limit. And like, like I asked him, I feel like NIL is becoming the new arms race in college football. And it's a little bit different than just going out there and building a new structure, recruiting suite, or something like that. But, but when you look at these individual state bills, again, it seems like one is topping the other. Like, okay, well... If Missouri's going to do this for athletes committed to schools, we're just going to open up to everybody in the state of Georgia. Michigan's probably going to take a step further mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, where every state's trying to position themselves to be better than the one that came before it. And we talk about, you know, South Carolina having not done anything yet. Could that be an advantageous position for them where they can say, okay, well, now we can look at what 40 other states have done and try and have the best NIL bill out of all of them? Maybe. It's also interesting that you've got, you know, you've got Shane Beamer who – you know, I think publicly and privately has been supportive of NIL. You've got Dabo Swinney, who's been a little more iffy on it, right? Like he, sure. it, it's not like, I mean, some people say, well, he hates it. I mean, I think he does hate parts of it. Um, he's different in his approach for sure. Is that a potential competitive advantage for you? Maybe like in state. Now they don't, South Carolina and Clemson don't battle on as many guys. Sure. And there's not that many guys in the state. And I'll say this. Yes, Dabo Dabo likes to talk. Dabo (laughs) says things that he puts his foot in his mouth sometimes. He's not the only coach that doesn't like this being the trend in college sports. Nick Saban may hate it for all we know, but he keeps his mouth shut about it because he knows, hey, if we want to be successful, we want to win in this next era of college football, we've got to embrace this. So, yeah, Dabo Sweeney probably would have been a little bit better served to maybe not speak out on some of these things, but he said what he said. But that being said, Clemson is still a place where you can generate good NIL and still get talent in, and, yes, he has to embrace the transfer portal a little bit and and that stuff too. But, you know, it's where it's all going, and it's either, you know – get used to it or, you know, get out, basically. Well, and that's why I mentioned, like, the juxtaposition between the two coaches. It may not be as extreme as some people think or some people project, um, but if, you, if you're if you the state of South Carolina, whether you're Clemson or South Carolina, if you look around, say, at what Missouri's doing and if some of the – Georgia and some of these other states, what they're doing, you don't want to fall behind. And so look look back at the, uh, the advent of NIL at the beginning, right? So – our, our state law here was originally supposed to go live in 2022. Right. And then the attorney general pushed it forward to 2021. So it went live July 2021. And during that time, at the beginning, there was a race from states to, okay, we need to pass a state law so we can establish what we are going to do, what we're going to be able to do. That way we can have it kind of on the books, so to speak, and say, hey, we're following our state law. Here's what we're doing. Right. right. Um. Then it was kind of funny because after about half the country did that, people looked around and said, huh, well, that state doesn't have a state law. They're just doing whatever they want. Sure. Right. And the NCAA is not doing anything. Let's repeal our state law. And so then there was a race to repeal the state law. We saw South Carolina suspend their state law. You stick a proviso in the budget and now your state law is suspended. So now you've got, I don't know the exact number. I think it's basically most or all of the country 
not now just kind of doing their own things. Now there's a different race now. It's all right, let's let's create a new state sure. law. And because the NCAA has been largely powerless to do anything, to police it, to to set their own standards and all that, now you've got states saying, let let's now be even more aggressive and let's put this on the books. So we can tell the NCAA, hey, we're following our state law. We're going to do what we want. Yeah, and that's why we're having these conversations with Congress because, again, the NCAA has lost. So it's not that they lost power. They didn't really have the power to begin with, and we're now learning that yeah. more and more as time goes by. But they're basically saying, hey, can you help us out here, Congress? And, again, you just – getting both sides of the aisle to agree on something like this, easier said than done. So, again, what's this, the 10th time they've been up there and done that's this? what Pete, what said. Pete yeah. said. So. How much more this is going to take? Who knows? Are they ever going to get to a res- resolution? Who knows? It seems like they're still kind of at each other's throats at this point in time. Yeah, and that will be – we need to have Pete back on again to kind of – I'm kind of kicking myself a little bit that we didn't say – because he said revenue sharing is probably coming, but didn't he give a, what, a two-year time frame? Yeah, something like that. So what is the next step, right? Do we just continue going down – are we just here for two years with no – you know, the NCAA every few months, Tyler, is probably going to come out, hey, we've got some updated guidance, quote, unquote. Here's what you should be doing. Here's right. what we expect. But, again, it's like you said, can they even, can they even, you know, establish that? Can they even protect, you know, the guidelines? Can they uphold them? I, I don't know. Right. And that timeline of two years is pretty significantly interesting. And we'll hit that coming up. Uh, you're listening to the Garnet Trust Hour. He is Chris Clark. I'm Tyler Head here on the game. Welcome back in Garnet Trust Hour. Tyler and Chris along with you for a few more minutes before Wes joins us and we jump into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs where we will continue to react to what happened on Saturday against Missouri and uh, start looking ahead a little bit to Texas A&M. Of course, you have Coach Beamer's press conference coming up a little bit later on this afternoon at 1.30, sponsored, as always, by Pete Alewine. Pools and Spas, we'll get an injury update from him and start looking ahead to Texas A&M with him uh, as well. Uh, continuing our conversation uh, on what we heard from Pete Nakos earlier on in the hour from On3 in reference to everything going on with NIL, he mentioned the, the revenue sharing being something that may take around two years to finally come to fruition. The, the timing of that would actually be pretty appropriate because a big part of the revenue sharing is TV contracts. And the new TV deal for the college football playoff expires at the end of 2025, Ooh. comes to uh, existence in 2026. Of course, we're going to have the 12-team model. is expected to be several more billion, or, uh, in, the, in the, a neighborhood of $2.2 billion generated per year once you get to that contract. It's around... million a year right now. So an explosion of money expected to come into the college landscape on this uh, TV deal alone. And, yes, I imagine the players are going to want their their, uh, take of that. Yeah, you would think so. Um, It is fascinating timing. I think it's – what do you think, Tyler? Probably coincidental. I think it's just just that we're just far away. Sure. You know, we've had – Ten congressional hearings, which goodness, it's, it's hard to believe. I mean, and have we have we gotten anywhere? No, no, not no, at all. No, not not based on. I, I think one thing that Jeremy Smith from Garnet Trust did mention is that I think some people are starting to get clued into the fact that collectives aren't this evil 
shadowy entity in all situations. I'm sure there are some that are like that. But that they have plans. A lot of them know what they're doing. A lot of them are very smart, you know, business people, right? Um, I think they're starting to get that. But, man, you just you see some of the comments that were made by some of the uh, congressmen and – you're just like, yeah, we're not very far. We're we're still like, we're still on um, NIL 101, like day one. And there's so many misconceptions out there about it. And I know what you're referencing. I don't remember which senator it was, but one of them said something to fact is I don't want to watch a much, bunch of millionaire college kids right. playing on Saturday. And are there college athletes? And again, we don't know these specific number figures that have the potential to make that much money. Yes, but they are the 1%. It's not every single one you see out there on the field. And also... This is larger than just college football and college basketball. I know those are the two for- sports we focus on the most because they're the ones that generate the most revenue. But we here on the Garnet Trust Tower have been able to bring in athletes from soccer, from, you know, uh, uh, track, you know, cross country, track and field, all these different athletes that you would have never thought would have gotten an opportunity to benefit from an NIL, but they have. And is it on the same scale as, you know, Arch Manning at Texas or Bryce Young when he was at Alabama? It's not, but it's still something. So yeah. I feel like that's something that's really getting lost in this. Is It's not just this top shelf of college athletes. It's all of them that are affected by this. Well, and, and it just, we see this every day, though, kind of the sensationalist that happens in politics, right? Like hot, but, and I'm promise you I'm not going to get political. Don't change your dial. Uh, Wes is going to make fun of me for saying dial, too, by the way. It's another thing that dates me. Yeah, so, some still have dials. Some have dials. I use a dial sometimes in, in the car. But, you know, it, it's, I don't know. We're, we're still, we're still for some people in the infancy of this thing, you can tell, you can tell they don't pay enough attention. It's become a, it's not a hot button issue in Congress, you know, but you, you see these issues come up. And they latch onto them, you know, politically. And you're all, even in politics with important things, you're like, there are more important things to talk about and do. Sure. Well, it's because they become hot button issues. And so NIL is the same thing. They've heard, they've probably heard from lobbyists and other people saying, you got to do something about this. The NCAA has lobbied Congress. Hey, you got to do something about this. And so then, you know, it becomes a thing. But that's why you don't hear about women's soccer. And even guys on the football team that might be getting 500 bucks, all the horror of that, you know, like you don't, there are a lot of players that don't come from much and yeah, they get a scholarship and other things. And there's a lot of perks to being a college athlete, but they put a lot in and a lot of times they don't come from much and they're so limited on time. It's not like they have time to go out and get jobs to help their family. Like they could do if they weren't college football players. As I say, we talk about the 20-hour rule a week, and that's yeah. the um, that's the limit on the amount of time that they are supposed to spend on football stuff during the week. And again, you say, oh, that's 20 hours, not that much. That's on top of going to class, going to class multiple times a day and handling all that work and stuff like that. So it basically works out to the equivalent of what a part-time job would be that a lot of college students around here have, yeah. and somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 hours a week. Yeah, but, you know, you, you hear, see, Joe Manchin's comments, and you see what um, Rand Paul said about, well, I, you know, all, all the college basketball players are going to have, I don't remember what he, Maserati's in the, yeah. in the parking lot, just silly stuff. Sure. Right? There's, there's, no, there's no basis to that argument. Yeah, it, it's not true. Are there some? Sure. There, there's some. There's the 1%, like you said, Ty. Maybe, maybe you say it's 5% in college football. 
But, like, even at South Carolina, there's 500-plus athletes. There's 19 sports. And at other schools, it's similar, you know, with those numbers. And so you're not getting that. So you don't you don't have people going up to these hearings and talking about you, – you do have the people coming in having to, to bring forth all the collectives yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or bringing forth these actual real-life examples – not one story you've read about a horror story about NIL, and then that becomes the narrative. Well, there was also one of these things that people thought was going to happen. The NIL is like, oh, well, you know, the quarterback's going to be making a million dollars, and the rest of the team's going to be making nothing, and they're going to be ostracized from the locker room, and there's going to be this riff. I look around all of college football. I don't see where that exists anywhere, and there are plenty of places where there are certain athletes making far above what their teammates are making, and they seem to be all getting along just fine. Well, let, let's look at South Carolina. I mean – you can look at the landscape and see that Spencer Rattler's gotten a lot of brand deals, mm -hmm. right? It's fair to say he's done probably better than any athlete at South Carolina. Teammates seem to like him. Yeah. Hadn't seemed to affect him. No. That, no problems. Haven't no. heard anybody. Ah, Spencer Rattler. You know, look at this guy. He actually seems to be uh, keeping things together. Team leader. Great leadership. Yeah. And, and he's not exactly phoning it in out there. He's giving it 110%. <laughs> he's absolutely not. And 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 not everybody. There, there might be some that phone it in. Sure, there are guys that phone it in that uh, don't make nil money. So it's uh, a lot of it's become like strawman arguments, silly things. And so yeah, unfortunately, despite ten hearings, I don't know that we're that much closer. But you know what? I, I don't know if we should we be rooting for Congress to do anything. Probably uh, not. No, because I feel like that could just make it messier. Probably will make it messier, and the NCAA will inevitably make it messier. So. I think, uh, look, honestly, I think collectives are going to stay involved. I think I could see a time where collectives are involved in the revenue sharing process. Right. And so for all for how it was a, kind of been a dirty word the past couple of years, they've actually played a large part in keeping things going smoothly, actually, in, in college football. Yeah, absolutely. And again, are some, you know, kind of borders good for NIL? Sure. But same time do we trust that congress is going to be able to put the right kind of borders on it to make it better I, I i don't know and it could take another 20 or 30 congressional hearings for this to get anywhere but 20 we, or 30 yeah as we stand right now oh. through 10 we haven't really learned anything or nothing's changed so oh. we'll we'll see what happens i shudder at, at 20 or the thought of 20 or 30 more well at least we're not the ones sitting in there yes. at those yes that is true we know people to do that so yes. we get their information That'll do it for today's edition of the Garnet Trust Hour. If you missed any of the conversation with Pete Nakos, I'll have that up shortly for you on 1075game.com. Coming up next, it is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Myself, Wes, and Chris continue to react to what happened on Saturday with the Gamecocks and starting to look ahead to AM. That's coming up here on the game.